Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for your time for gathering together with us here on the Word Podcast. We're working our way through the book of 2 Timothy right now. And I tell you what, these have been most, most profitable examinations. Uh, you know, I've been in a couple of situations of late where people are actually asking, what do we need to do as the body of Christ? Okay, what do we need to do? Uh, and they ask that for several reasons. You know, our quote-unquote membership and participation are going down. I was talking to a lady yesterday at <coughs> a church that uh, I grew up in. And uh, she said, we have like 40 people now. And, you know, 40 people is great. That's wonderful. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having 40 people. Nothing wrong with having 10. Jesus only had 12, and one of those was a backstabber, right? But uh, she's put her finger on something. <laughs> the fact that people are voting with their feet, okay? They're voting with their feet, and they're going elsewhere, and there's reasons for that. And then in another situation, uh, churches are aging out. You know, they're looking, they're saying, hey, there's nobody who's 20 or 30 or 40 years of age here. Very few that are here. And, you know, why is that? Well, the Word tells us exactly why. If you look at 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus, if you look in 1 and 2 Corinthians, you look in Galatians, you look in Colossians, you look in Ephesians, Philippians, okay, all these give insight into what we are to be as the body of Christ. And that's what's so, so important, is that we must be who the Lord has called us to be. Too much of the professing body of Christ is not the organism of Christ. We're not functioning as the organism, as the body life, as the very presence of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. We're not functioning that way. We're functioning organizationally. We're saying, oh, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm Presbyterian. Oh, I'm independent. Oh, I'm non-denominational. I'm this. I'm that. I'm all these kind of things. And we've adopted the strategies of man and tried to superimpose some godliness upon top of it. And it doesn't work. When you're sitting there and your primary response to anything is your denominational position, your denominational stance, your uh, denominational rules and regulations, if that's your primary response, you got a problem. Okay? Our primary response needs to be the word of the Lord and the mind of the Lord. And so uh, the Spirit warns us about these things, and the Spirit is speaking to Paul, and Paul's writing Timothy about such. So let's pick it up in the 14th verse. And we've looked at this uh, a couple episodes again, but I want to set uh, again the context. And it says this Paul's reminding Timothy, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. And remember this, folks, that the word of truth at the time that Paul was writing this to Timothy would have been the Old Testament. Yeah. Now, they would have had some elements of the New Testament. They would have had some letters that would have been floating about by then, okay? Uh, Particularly Paul's letters, because this is the last letter that he wrote this in the Word. So, But not every church had those. Not every believer definitely had them. So accurately handling the word of truth is referring to the truth that the Lord gives in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Verse 16, But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men 
who, uh, hang on a second, <laughs> some reason my computer wanted to cut off right then. Men who've gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And so what he's saying right here is he's letting them know you're going to have people that cause this kind of trouble. And he gave a couple of examples. But no, here's the firm foundation of God, that the Lord knows who the ones are that are his. The Lord is the one who knows who the true believers are. And then the second thing is this. If you name the name of the Lord, if you profess to be a believer, then abstain from wickedness. That's pretty cut and dry. God knows who are his. And those who are his will abstain from wickedness. So if someone claims to be his, but they keep living in wickedness and they refuse to repent, then you pretty well know they're not his. Okay? If someone claims to be his and they're not, God knows. So don't worry about it. Now listen to the next verse, verse 20. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. So he's saying this, you know, in a large house, you're going to have the fine china and you're going to have the Tupperware. Each has a, a functioning. Okay. Each does what it's supposed to do. Well, why is he saying that? Well, maybe verse 21 will help us. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Well, that's interesting right there because it's a term of conclusion, therefore. So therefore what? Well, he's saying this. In the house, you're going to have those that are gold and silver. You're going to have those that are wood and earthenware. I don't think that necessarily speaks to the fact, uh, which is often used in spiritual gifts. And there's other verses that relate to this and understand that, uh, that there's roles and functions. Uh, There's things that are of more importance. There's things of less importance. For instance, it is more important uh, for there to be a liver functioning in your body than it is to have a beautiful face. Okay, because if you don't have a liver, you're not going to live. Okay, so the Lord talks about these kind of things, uh, the lesser things and the greater things. But because he says this, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, if anyone cleanses himself from the sin, if we abstain from wickedness, if we pursue holiness and godliness, if we will do that, then we will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So what he's saying is that apparently these vessels are in the house, right? They're in the house. That there are people who are believers. They are saved, but they're not living the way they should. Okay, they're not living the way they should. They're more like earthenware. They're more like wood vessels. They're still a vessel, okay? They're still a vessel, but they're not really living the life of honor that they should be or could be living. They're living a life of dishonor. So what's he telling us? You need to cleanse yourself of these things. Repent of the sin and be the vessel. Now listen to what what God calls us to be, a vessel of honor, one who is sanctified, okay? And the the idea behind the sanctification is consecrated, holy, that you've been made holy. And then this, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. This is what the Lord 
calls us to, folks. Okay? You ever think about that? He calls us to this. He calls us to a life of honor before him, before one another. He calls us to a life that is consecrated and is holy before him, before one another. You want to be useful for the master? Then do this. We try to do all sorts of useful things in his name and for his name's sake. And that's not at all what he does. He desires us to be useful to him by being holy. And then this, prepared for every good work. You know, many are the people who spend years and years and years in preparation. As a matter of fact, I sort of hear that mantra a lot. You know, I've spent seven or eight years in study to be the pastor of the church. And you know what? You don't see a lifestyle of honor. You don't see a lifestyle of holiness. You don't see a lifestyle of sanctification, of abiding in the Lord, of humility before the Lord and one another. You don't see that at all. You don't see a lifestyle of obedience. You know, I spent many years in those academic institutions, and rarely, if ever, I'm trying to be a little gracious here, I really don't remember any time when uh, we were taught and instructed in the ways of holiness and in the ways of obedience before the Lord. That's sort of sad, isn't it? And that's one of the primary things that the Lord is communicating to us right here. Well, my time's up. We will continue with this. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you then. Goodbye.